Ever get nailed by a surprise bill? Yeah. You kind of knew insurance was due for the year, but you thought it wasn't till next month. Well, this episode is about pain relief. Specifically, relief from the impact of those bigger, occasional, or annual bills. And we're also going to talk about saving. Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey everybody, this is episode number 62, and we're going to be talking about how to set up the part of your budget that deals with mid- and long-term planning, as well as preparing yourselves for emergencies. The Bible says that wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. That's Proverbs 13, verse 11. I think we often fall into the if-then trap. You know, like, if I won the lottery, then everything would be fine financially. Right. But ironically, when you track the lives of these major lottery winners, most of them totally train wreck. Yeah, they do. Because wealth gained hastily will dwindle. Right. Right. So maybe we need to step away from this if-then principle mm-hmm. and start working on consistent strategies. Oh, I love this part of gathering little by little. See, this just totally backs up my thing about you gain wealth by saving. Yeah, it just fits your conservative strategies no so well. No risk taking. Yeah. 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 But this is because most of us aren't going to win the lottery. That's true. Or have some huge inheritance or some windfall from the stock market. That's true. Like, that's not reality. Yeah, there's no point living in dreamland. No. Yeah. So, well, I mean, this is something I struggle with because I can live with the if-then just fine, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm yeah, learning. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, this is good. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's better to be disciplined mm-hmm. about our budget mm-hmm. and our savings. Ooh. So that when savings, so that when surprises come up, you, you get the annual car insurance bill, maybe it shows up in your mail. Mm-hmm. You get the money set aside. It does feel good to be able to just pay that sucker off without being like, okay, you know, we can't buy food for the next two months. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Hmm. So I think it's really good that you're kind of embracing this whole savings thing. Will somebody please take her soapbox away? <laughs> All right. I'll just be quiet and listen. I'm starting to regret recording this mini series. Okay. So dear audience member, not me no if you're serious about creating a budget this episode is an essential partner to the previous episode number 61 so if you want a budgeting worksheet that'll help you to sit down with your spouse and work through all this on paper we made that available in our last episode it's still available you can get this today when you are listening to this what you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse message and data rates may apply once again, all you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse. And we will email you a link so you can download that budgeting worksheet. It's a super tool to help you create and plan your family budget. Okay, let's look at the research and some practical strategies. Alrighty. Did you notice how I just kind of blasted right in there? So you could so that I didn't have a chance to say anything. Get on your soapbox again, yeah. Now I'm going to get all real nerdy too and just try to mentally outclass you. Yeah, <laughs> you'll have a hard time with that. Okay, so there's something called family stress theory. Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us about that? I don't know anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) You're supposed to say it's not important. What do you mean it's not important? Uh, Just because you didn't know about it. Oh, right. Yeah. Never mind. I thought you were trying to say that I stress out the family. Oh, no. No, no. Yes, dear. 
So there's this family stress survey. It predicts that improved communication about finances should decrease hostility and increase warmth and supportive behaviors like we're demonstrating for our audience today. (laughs) So this is why we want you to talking through this, because not only do we believe that financial stewardship is the right thing to do, but it's also a significant factor in improving the quality of your marriage relationship. So, you know, joking aside, we're more stressed when we're not talking about these issues and we both know that they're there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's all my point is there. And again, these same researchers, they cited that financial factors predict 15% of marital satisfaction. That's high. Well, if you think of the number of things that go into a satisfied marriage, yeah, for one thing to take up 15%, that's really, really significant. Mm-hmm. They also found that the greater your financial problems, generally, the lower the quality of your relationship. It just, it just creates emotional distress. And part of reducing that stress is not only budgeting month to month, but also making sure you have a plan for the larger bills and for creating long-term savings for yourselves. So that's our... That's what we're talking about today. That's our tenet for this episode. Our what? Tenet. What does that mean? Thesis. That's our point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't used that word in a long time. I'm quite proud of myself. Okay. So let's talk about the retirement and long-term savings for a bit. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get to how to use the short and midterm savings for annual bills and things like that. Okay. Right at the very end. Okay. Okay. So one great strategy is to find a financial advisor. You know, just the intentionality and the relationship you build with your advisor, it forms a kind of accountability. We found this, right? Yeah. And it helps you to get real and to get intentional about your savings. Right. And I was just thinking like when it comes out first every month, like you don't even think about that money after a bit. It just happens. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you, if you ever, you know, have to call up and say, you know, we can't do it this month. It's like, it is an accountability thing. You don't want to have to do that. Right. Yeah. So it helps you to just to have that savings happen. Yeah. Sort of without thinking. Yeah. And the folks who were doing research on this noted that people who use a financial advisor, number one, they end up establishing long-term goals and work towards filling them. Hmm. Fair enough, right? Yeah. They actually sit down and calculate their financial needs in retirement, right? which is good to think about. Yeah. They create savings accounts dedicated to retirement. They increase the amount of money they save regularly. Hmm. So they kind of get into it, right? They report greater retirement confidence. That makes sense. Yeah. And they accumulate significantly higher levels of emergency funds as well. So if you want these things to be true of you, then you might seriously consider getting a financial advisor who's trained and qualified to help you create your own retirement savings plan. So you don't have to do this alone. Right. And I I know that since we got ours from that, it's created useful discussions. It's helped us to be very clear, consistent, and confident about our own savings plans too. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Edwin. Yes. So some of our listeners are probably wondering about this whole idea of retirement savings and creating wealth in terms of the question, like what makes wealth grow? And here, you know, we're going to get into some of the psychology. There's some practical bits here, but I really want to get into some of the psychology of saving. Oh, oh, are you analyzing me? Oh, (laughs) we don't have time for that in today's episode. Mm. So four key concepts. Number one, keep finances simple and live within your means. That seems so simple. It does, but just getting loans paid off, credit lines, equity loans, automobile loans, credit card debt, all those things enable you to live beyond your means. So this is about bringing oh, okay. it back to within means, right? Yeah. Number two. Yeah. I know this is a concept, but one practical thing here is like, don't sign up for every credit card that you're ever offered. Oh yeah. Do you get that 10% off? Yeah. Yeah. They're making money off that. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Save and invest 10% of your earned income annually. If you just need a starting point or rule of thumb, go for 10%. Oh, it's okay. especially critical if you're employed as a wage-earning family. Typically, 
just because of how wealth escalates. Okay. Yep. And whatever proceeds come from your investment, number three, that income should be reinvested, ideally all of it. You know, it's tempting to pull that interest uh, gain or payout at the end of the year back into spending. But if you put interest income back into the investments as a long-term strategy, it just multiplies the the creation of wealth, right? Yeah. And then the next part is to exchange wealth depreciating assets for wealth creating assets. So, for example, a little bit of math here. What are you laughing at? You spelled assets wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Note to self. Very critical. Never leave the T out of assets. Okay. Sorry. For example, <laughs> if you were to exchange the asset asset value of your meat. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, now you fall it apart here. Okay. Can you try and pull it back together? Yeah. For example, if you were to exchange the asset value of your $50,000 main vehicle and your $30,000 second vehicle and your $40,000 camper trailer and then choose two vehicles worth 10 k and 6 k and scrap the camper. Okay, so this is a concept here. You get a 50,000 vehicle, a 30,000 vehicle, and you have a 40,000 camper. So get rid of the camper, Uh trade the two vehicles down and get get out of them. Uh So you have a $10,000 and a $6,000 vehicle. Uh By doing that, you could invest just over $100,000 in a down payment on a rental house because of the money that you'll accumulate just from saving that. Wow. And then that's going to be a wealth-creating asset. Right. Instead of a wealth-depreciating asset. Okay. So now you're directing much more of your wealth towards a revenue-creating asset rather than assets that depreciate and just burn money over time. Hmm. I know some accountants that wouldn't even consider a vehicle an asset. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So a family in the USA with moderate income who's willing to make these kinds of changes would free up about an additional 14000 per year for wealth creation. That's from a study done in 2014. Hmm. So that's another strategy and a way of thinking about how you can make wealth grow. Okay? Yeah. And... Let's talk about the psychology of saving more, okay? So most American families, and I'm sure many other nationals are the same, they'll say that they'd rather have the freedom that comes with credit card debt, the freedom to spend that comes with credit card debt, than the constraints of a budget. Yeah. We talked about this a little bit last week, how it, like budgeting is always negative, negative, negative. You can't have this, you can't have that. But you have to actually have that mind shift. That you're building something. That you're building something and you're you're not going into debt or you're decreasing your debt and the psychological freedom and the marital satisfaction that that'll bring. Yes. So that's where there's, there's kind of three stages of accumulating savings, right? And understanding the psychological strategies related to them helps us move into this oh. as a couple. Okay? okay. So this is from a study in 2003. Number one, the first stage of accumulating savings is reallocation. And it just means you take the money you plan to consume and you save it instead. Some of the money you plan to consume. Yeah. Or another example of reallocation is you exchange your time for more income. Okay. So you, it's, you're kind of taking one resource and putting it in another direction. You get a side gig, you work longer hours. And to do this, you really got to look at the intangible expenses on that end. Like, what is that going to cost my family? Right. So I'm not necessarily endorsing that. But in some cases, you may need to do this for a period of time. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've talked in previous episodes, though, about reducing your hours, if you can, yeah. for the sake of your family and your marriage. So I think you really need to look at that. Like, I don't think you can use this as a long-term strategy. Yeah. But we, you know, that's where we have a broad spectrum of people in our audience who are in different situations, some of whom may be able to afford to reduce their time and their family needs the investment. Right. Right. Others of whom are in a crisis financially 
and their relationships are solid and maybe they need to invest more in that for a year. Right. You know yeah. what I mean? To kind yeah. of get themselves out of the hole that they're in. Okay. So when you're thinking about reallocation, the psychological strategy to go along with that is goal setting. This is what's going to work best for you. Set a goal, what you want to achieve by doing this and focus on that mentally. Get encouragement from family, from friends and so on. And maybe you choose specific sources of income to really help you hit that goal. So for example, unexpected income like a bonus from work or a tax refund or some overtime money. You're, you've already decided that you have this goal and any of those kind of surprise income sources are going towards the goal. Okay. So this, at this, in this reallocation stage, it's about focusing on the goal. And on the behavioral side, it's, it's about efficiency. So buy smarter. Buy things cheaper with coupons. Use off-brand alternatives. Again, it's just this kind of reallocation thing where we're going for, we're moving things to different buckets, if you will. Okay. And budgeting really helps here because you can move money that would have gone to expenses over to savings. Right. Don't just burn it elsewhere, but actually intentionally save it, put it towards your goal. Reallocate it towards your savings, right? So it's a great strategy and you want to pair that with having clear goals, keeping that in front of you, and then getting creative about how you can keep moving towards it. Okay. So it's very, very deliberate. Okay. Yep. The next uh, strategy is conversion. Conversion is about making money hard to spend. Like you deliberately choose to make your money hard to spend. So you're converting it from something that's easy to access to something that's harder to get to. Okay. So one way to do this is to think about your savings as a bill, an expense that you have to pay. Think about your savings as an expense, right? Like I must pay my, you know, $200 or $500 or whatever it is every month. So you trick yourself into believing that it's obligatory. Even, do you know what I find works really well? What? Is have it come out of the bank account, like set up a sub account. Yeah. And just like just, a mortgage payment, right? Yeah. And it automatically transfers every yeah. month. You don't even have to think about it and think yeah. about how much you're missing out or whatever. Yeah. So when you think of it as that mandatory bill you have to pay, it's a mental shift that happens, right? Yeah. For other folks, you know, if you get your paycheck manually, maybe you make that savings deposit right after you get your paycheck before you make any other purchases. Or like you said, mm-hmm. Berlin, have it come out automatically. Mm-hmm. But make it a passive transaction if you can so that it just happens. It's a great way to kind of beat yourself to the bank. What does that mean? It means the money's already unavailable to you before you get there, right? Oh, That's the okay. strategy of conversion. You okay. convert easy to access money to hard to access money. Okay. Okay. Third strategy is maintenance. So once you start accumulating wealth or savings, you want to keep it because what can happen now is it's like you have, you're starting to build up reserves. You see it in the bank and then on your, on the internet one day, you see a boat in the next town down the road for you. It's going for 25 grand and you're like, Ooh, yeah, I've got 40 grand in the bank. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to see that money in the bank sitting there and your mind wanders off to these things. Right. But the psychology here is to create simple rules. For example, and this is not need overthinking, right? You just decide that savings are off limits. And both spouses have to be on the same page about this. So this is where you need to set your goal ahead of time. Like, what are your savings for? There's no point just saving, saving, saving and being a Grinch. Yeah. Yeah. So you can decide, you mean you can decide to earn or to save and save some of that for special things. But if you're saving for retirements. Right. Right. That's where the goal, I think, needs to be. Yes. Or that purpose in mind. So you decide clearly in your heads, both of you, about what bucket is your retirement savings. Okay. Or if you're going to save for annual bills, which we're going to talk about at the end of our episode, you decide that this is off limit for anything but those bills. Right. Right. So you're not going to use it for a holiday. Right. Right. That type of thing, right? Yeah. 
And so if you need to, you can literally make a list for your annual savings, for example, of what you are allowed to pay out of that account. No, no exceptions. Right. So the psychology here is you just establish your own rules. Practically, you can also put those savings in a place where they're hard to get as well, which is kind of like the conversion strategy. So when we send money, for example, to our financial advisor or his company, it's hard to get it. It's not with our checking account, right? Even yeah. putting it somewhere in our own bank, though, where it's locked in or as a fee to extract it can helpful can be helpful. So just make it inaccessible to kind of beef up your strength in following these rules. Okay. So you don't want to have all your retirement savings sittings on the other end of a debit card. Right. <laughs> right? Where it's really easy to get to. Yeah. So that's how you can think about and plan for these longer-term savings. And we think that you should have retirement savings. You know, and we've talked about this a little bit before, Verlinda, like I can't plan to die with my boots on, right? Yeah. But what if I do die with my boots on because I've been working, but you live 20 years more than I do? Right. So this, our retirement savings as a couple has to make sense for both of us, not just to me. Yeah. Now, in addition to that, we think you should also have a six-month emergency fund that you're building and maintaining. This is hard to do, (laughs) ourselves being a case in point. Mm Mm-hmm. But they could use for layoffs, illnesses that take you out of work, and so on. And I think if you're going to do this, you need to define what qualifies as an emergency for accessing that money. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then annual savings. I think this is one we've had a... Oh, this one I like. Yes. Well, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just such a good stress reducer, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you get hit yearly with bills or or expenses... You know, it's never pleasant to get that $1,200 bill for car insurance if you aren't ready for it. Right. And yet it's not really smart to pay it with monthly if there's interest and service fees on there because you end up paying more Yes. for those fees, right? Yeah. So it's great if you can save up month by month for this. And into this category, we save up for annual things like house insurance, car insurance. Uh, we set aside for our income tax annually. Mm-hmm. Property tax goes mm-hmm. in here. Our house is out in the country. We heat it with propane. And it's a $1,500 bill. Is it about that? Yeah. About to fill that. That, that big tank up every nine months or so. So yeah. we save up for that. What else do we? Yeah. Well, do you know what? One thing that you wanted to put on annual, and it really irked me for a little bit, but was tires for the car. Right. But now. That was more like every couple of years. Yeah. It's not every year. So I think we divided it by 24 or something yep. instead of by 12. But now I know like, okay, we need tires. We have the money for it. Yes. It's not like it's going to be a total surprise and where on earth am I going to get two grand or Mm -hmm. however much it is. I don't even know, but. No, we've been running annual for a while, right? Yes. But from what I recall, the challenge when we started was you still have some of these annual expenses coming up while you're trying to save for it. So there's almost like a year there where you double pay. Right. Yeah. So there's almost like a year there where you double pay. Yeah. And. From what I recall, how we got through that was, is we just took what we kind of had out of, like proportionally out of annual. We didn't take the full amount. And then we kind of had this stress of not having enough in the cash flow at the same time. So we kind of straddled the fence for that first year. Yeah, no, I took it all at annual. Sometimes it took annual right down to zero and I had to use some checking. Okay. But But then how did we ever get ahead on it? Well, because not all of your bills are due at the same time. Right. So we might have had like six months with no bills due. Right. And that kind of gives us enough of a reserve. Right. But if if every one of your bills comes in like September, say, then it's going to be hard if you only start saving now, like for July, August. Yes, for sure. You know, but if you start saving now by next September, it's all going to be there. Like in 15 months. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. 
So that you do have to think a little bit longer yeah. term, less pain. Yes. More gain. I don't know how to say that, but whatever. No pain, no, pain, no gain. So what we did there was we took the amounts of these annual bills. Yeah. We identified what they were. There's not a lot of them. It's like a dozen or less. Oh, there's be less than that. Yeah. Yeah. And we just divided them by 12. Yeah. And we set that amount aside each month into an account in our bank called annual savings. Yeah. And then when those bills come, it's just so easy and nice to be able to just pay them and there's no stress or drama. You don't have that pinch or that crunch that month, right? Yeah. I know the last time we got our propane bill, it came in a crunch month. And I just, I felt so sick. Like, how on earth am I going to pay this? Yeah. And then I remembered, no, I have this in annual savings. I've been saving for it. And it was like a huge relief. Yes. Yeah. And anything you can do to bring stress relief to your marriage and your life is a good thing. Yes, absolutely. So this has been quite a bit about family budgeting on the savings end of things, kind of the short midterm and the long term. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're serious about creating a budget, and savings as part of that, make sure you get the budgeting worksheet from episode 61. It's hard to do this from scratch, but the worksheet will help you to sit down with your spouse and work through all this on paper or on your computer. So we'd love to email that to you. All you need to do is text the word podcast to 9292 spouse, and we'll email you that link so you can download that worksheet. It's a super tool to help you create and plan your family budget, including your annual and long-term savings. Well, that's all for today's episode. Remember, you can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 62. And we're all about helping you build a thriving, passionate marriage. You know, if you're stressed about money, it's not going to feel thriving or passionate. But the good thing is you can do something about that. So make sure you download the worksheet and make sure you stay subscribed to our podcast. Absolutely. Next week is our last episode in this series. We're going to be talking about how to reduce debt. So we're focusing very specifically on that topic. Okay. And again, we'll be giving you some great strategies and resources to start working on the debt that kind of hangs over our heads. Alrighty. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.